Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate. All right. You've joined us here on Simon Says Educate, and today we have Dr. Megan Sanders, an instructional designer, who's going to tell us a little bit about her work and then more specifically her work around artificial intelligence. Welcome, Megan, to Simon Says Educate. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. I'm humbled by the opportunity and I hope I can just share a little glimpse into what my life is like as an ID. Okay, so that's our first question. Our, my, my first question for you is, who are you and how did you get that way? How did I get that way? Oh, that's a loaded question. How long do we have? <laughs> no. No, so I am currently an instructional designer housed at the district office at Alamo College's district in San Antonio, Texas. And um, we have, we're kind of unique in a sense because we have five independently accredited colleges in our system. And so at the district level, we have a team of instructional designers, which includes me and four others, and then our team lead who is housed at the district office. And then we're all boots on the ground. So the college that I am currently supporting is Palo Alto College on the south side of San Antonio. And while each of our institutions is different, they all kind of have a similar thread and then our district office supports them. For the most part, each of our IDs, including myself, are housed within a teaching and learning center or an instructional innovation center, which varies by college, right? But yeah, so that I've been doing this for about... Well, almost two years in this role. And prior to this, and just recently, I've been an adjunct for the past five-ish years across different platforms. I've done face-to-face teaching. I've done Zoom teaching. And probably what I have the most experience with is online asynchronous. And now I get to do all the back-channel work as well, you know, kind of the administrative side of it and the design and then supporting our faculty as well. So, yeah. What did what did you teach? So... Let's see. In the private sector at um, another university, I had taught before coming to Alamo, I had taught an introduction to critical thinking course. So writing intensive, heavy and, you know, helping undergrad students kind of acclimate to self-awareness and just, you know, getting used to how college is different than high school. And a lot of times we would have non-traditional students who I really do have a heart for. And this is what sparked my interest in instructional design. I can kind of come back to that in a minute. But just kind of seeing how in that private sector, things were a little bit different. We would have a team of instructional designers in that field that would be responsible for curating our curriculum and then, you know, maintaining the courses for us and we were able to focus on just teaching and executing a course, right? It wasn't until I came to Alamo in a public community college setting where I realized how much freedom I had as an instructor, adjunct instructor. And so I was beginning to teach in the student development department at San Antonio College. It's another one of our sister schools in the district. And so 
a lot of the students that I was interacting with were sometimes academically at risk for a number of reasons. So they needed, you know, a little bit more help, um, handholding, if you will, but I mean that in a positive way to kind of get them across that finish line where they could be successful in college so that they could transfer to a four-year university and get their bachelor's or go into a technical trade and so forth. So close up that question there. What I am currently teaching as well is learning framework course. So it's similar. I know each state varies in what they offer. Um, kind of at that level, but it's an introductory course to, you know, study skills and strategies to, you know, be a successful college student and work-life balance, that sort of thing. And there's a a lot of psychology involved with it as well, but I've enjoyed having a a nice sampling of different roles in higher ed. And I really found out that I love instructional design. Right. Yeah. And I think that having a background in education support, it can be really critical to instructional design Mm -hmm. because a lot of what good instructional design can do is build that student support into uh, courses. Right, right. But did you think that when you started college that you were going to be an instructional designer? What was (laughs) the beginning? Yeah. So it's it's been within the last handful of years that I really started kind of branching out and looking at different postings I was seeing, you know, because mm-hmm. as I had started my professional career in higher education, I had achieved my master's and then I decided to go back for my doctorate just because I thought, well, you know, I might as well get a terminal degree. I'm one of those that can't stop. I just love school. I love learning, Right. <laughs> which teaching, it pulled me into it, I guess. And so it always felt like an easy thing for me in a sense, but adaptable. But now I'm trying to think, I I originally went to school for international studies. At that time, the more widely known degree was international affairs, but this was different. You know, it was still political science heavy, very history heavy. And so I had always thought, you know, I'm going to, I'll either teach abroad, I'll teach English, or I'll do this. Or that's kind of where my head was at in my early 20s. And then kind of mid to late 20s is when I decided, let's get the master's in education and see you know, if this will lead me into administration or to teaching, right? So kind of the next step. When I began teaching in an adjunct capacity, I realized I loved it and I didn't want to stop doing that. So I kind of would just, you know how the adjunct life is, right? You pick up things here and there and you do as much as you can to substantiate your life at that point. And so a full-time role didn't come along with that. And that's when I decided I need to broaden my horizons, look outside of just the teaching roles, right? And and see what else am I qualified for and what would be a good fit for my skill set and my talents where I could still grow, but um, wouldn't be so far of a stretch from teaching. And so I had a few instructional designer friends who said, you know, there are these postings we've noticed. And you know how word of mouth gets you pretty far, a lot farther than a Google search will get you. But yeah, I I had some colleagues who had pushed a few my way and I thought, hey, that sounds like exactly what I'm looking for. And so I came to Alamo Colleges in a full-time capacity as an instructional designer and I really enjoy it. I'm always interested in where people start because there's a lot of English majors, math teachers, people from industry who make their way into instructional design. It's an interesting journey. You've given us a really good picture of how your work is set up. Let's dive right into AI. That's where uh, we met you was at the AI conference in Mm -hmm. Florida. And so we're interested in what kind of AI projects are you working on and what's happening at Alamo and around AI? 
Sure, sure. Well, we frequently seek out any kind of professional development opportunities we can, just as an instructional design team, and then within our department, which is Alamo College's online. And our immediate supervisor, as well as our boss, are very forthcoming with different opportunities that come across their desks and say, hey, well, maybe so-and-so would like to attend this, or we could put a couple on this professional development. And of course, we always look for things that are free or, or low cost, right? There are a lot of really good ones out there that you don't have to shell a lot of money out for. And for instance, there was one I attended today, actually. It was very helpful in the sense that it illustrated some of the most recent changes in AI. You know, Mm. there were a few announcements within the last couple of days. If you've watched um, CBS, NBC, any of those big ones related to Google's Gemini and OpenAI's Sora. But there there have been some really neat updates. So even a training that, you know, someone had developed for today had to be kind of adjusted right for in that moment but just interesting how it's always changing so professional development is a really big part of any kind of project that we we kind of want to be educated on it first and then take what we're learning or our perspective from that training into you know maybe giving our um, our own professional development trainings that we offer to faculty and staff a facelift or an upgrade right especially with how generative AI the way that it's already developing and it's so unprecedented at least it's not anything like I've seen before and so trying to I keep thinking oh I'm caught up and I turn around and there's another advancement and I have to learn something else to go with it, right? Which is exciting for me, but can be stressful for others. And so I think that's a big part of kind of my personality and how I like to attack a project. But yeah, so between, you know, our our folks at the district level and then our folks at the college levels, there's a lot of different things that are always going on. Most recently, I would say within the last year or six, maybe six months or so, the colleges kind of were scrambling to think, okay, hey, how do, how are we going to support our faculty in creating a policy surrounding AI or generative AI? And so at that time, I'm thinking back to last fall of 23, faculty were encouraged to write their own AI policy, you know, how, how they said students could or could not use it. And so our teaching and learning centers, our IICs got together and kind of hashed out some details and said, hey, maybe we can sample what our faculty would are saying or hearing, you know, faculty teaching circles and that sort of thing, and then take what we are gleaning from that and create some kind of training to help them draft their own policy, right? So this was last fall. And then as of January this year of 24, our institution, our district as a whole has provided a syllabus policy related to that. So again, those are little pocket projects here and there, but they affect everyone in the whole district. And then another neat one that I just wrapped up the end of last month, I was invited to be the subject matter expert in AI for our department. So Alamo College's online was partnering with another department in the district at at the district level that supports all the colleges, right? So big scale. And they use a chatbot and they were trying to build the knowledge base for their chatbot because a lot of what they were looking at when they pulled the data from student responses on the website or um, in different areas like that, the chatbot was giving students the response of, I don't know. And they were looking at all the IDK, as they call them, responses. And sometimes what they were finding was that students would not persist to try to find the answer they're looking for. They're just going to go somewhere else. And to be able to meet those needs, to build that knowledge base, you know, to, to have a better response to student inquiries, especially if they weren't written, you know, like in a question format or something. That's what they brought me in for and said, hey, how can we use AI or generative AI specifically to 
build that knowledge base of kind of all the different responses that could be possible. And so that was a, a nice creative launching point for me to be able to come in and say, here's how I use it as an adjunct instructor, as a full-time instructional designer. And here's how you can use it to prompt engineer some responses and build that knowledge base to serve the students better. So we had kind of a hands-on meeting of, there were some deans, some directors, a lot of instructors from all different colleges being represented. And we just had a hands-on session, if you will, where we were able to think tank, brainstorm. And I feel I feel like that was a neat opportunity in itself because it allowed for networking, which I always enjoy. But I could see the immediate impact in the folks that were participating because they were engaged and they asked questions and many of them had no experience with AI of any sort, not not on purpose anyway, right? At that point, you know, maybe they had an Alexa device or, you know, maybe they use Siri on their phone occasionally, but it's nothing like showing, demonstrating the, the capabilities of ChatGPT or something like that or Bard or Gemini in a room full of people whom, most of whom have not had any experience with it. It was, it was just very eye-opening for me too. All right, great. Let's go back to your campus policy. How So you had the faculty working on a policy individually, which I think is really, really valuable. But obviously the time's come where colleges have to kind of step up and say something. Well, what did that process look like on your campus? Sure. So at Palo Alto, a good colleague, friend of mine whom I work closely with is the director of the Teaching and Learning Center. And she actually formed some teaching circles or, or offered the opportunity for faculty to join and lead. She just created the space for them to do this, right? And they would step up and submit a proposal and say, hey, I'd like to do this. And um, out of the two different options that were kind of birthed from that, one of them was AI-specific. And so within that teaching circle, I know they talked a lot about hashing out the specifics of what an AI policy would look like in a syllabus. And then I do remember last summer, I hope I'm going to quote this correctly, there was a, I think it was the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. They offered kind of a series or webinar series training related to this exact thing, crafting a syllabus policy related to AI. And they had a lot of great resources that folks who participated could kind of take and roll with using a Creative Commons license, you know, you can remix it, reuse it. And so that was a neat starting point for the director and I, as we kind of supported this initiative with the faculty at Palo Alto who were in this teaching circle. And this is a small group. We're not talking of 200 people. We're talking, you know, less than 20 faculty members who were kind of putting their heads together to, to think, how are we going to offer different options for, you know, you have your faculty who are against AI and, and think it should be prohibited, which I'm not saying is right or wrong. Uh, and then you have your faculty who are like, no, we need to be proffering it to students, showing them how to use it. And then you have the ones that fall in the middle too. So that other, the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, that training had a lot of good examples for how to achieve each of those different levels and to offer that for faculty to be able to customize their syllabus and their policies. Because as we know, a lot of times there there may be a college-wide or a district-wide policy that is pretty general, but maybe yeah. faculty members want to hone in on the specifics for their courses and their students, which I think plays into academic freedom as well, just speaking as a faculty member. I, I like to have that little bit of leniency myself. Them. Right. Well, that's great. And then finally, you know, as an instructional designer, a few years back, these tools weren't available and now they are. How does it fit into your vision of instructional design? 
Yeah, well, I guess my vision, let's start there. My vision of instructional design is ever-changing and in a positive way. I don't think we should ever be stagnant in the way that we do things, especially when it comes to design or curriculum or teaching, because all of those things work together and they're all closely related. But but really my vision for how I want to move forward and how I I hope to support our faculty still and and move into, you know, my, my strength in this field, right, is I like the idea of keeping abreast of what's going on in the media, in the news, what developments in ed tech are, are cropping up. I think those things are important, especially when, like with ChatGPT, you know, a year and a half ago or a little over a year ago, when that craze hit the market. And I was one of the early adopters, I won't lie, because I thought, hey, this is cool. And once people figure out how this works, it's going to go through the roof. I just had a feeling. And too bad it's not publicly traded because then I could have bought some stock in it. <laughs> I would be rich. But no, I think being aware, just having a general awareness of what's going on around you and in the environment, you know, in education as a whole and technology, and then being able to leverage those things in an ethical way, in a responsible way to the, not just the everyday tasks of instructional design, you know, like organizing module alignment that, you know, any kind of menial task that essentially becomes uh, simplified when you use these types of technologies. But no, I think I think taking those with a grain of salt and then employing, you know, good judgment, again, going back to the ethical side of things, having strong boundaries in place, you know, to know I'm not going to copy and paste a response I get from a generative AI into, you know, a presentation that I'm going to provide for faculty. That's not me. Um, And I don't think that should frankly be the solution or the result for any of us offering to support faculty or staff, right? I think it's a good starting point for maybe you're fresh out of ideas and you're trying to engage your faculty, your body again, and think, okay, well, I know their needs are X, Y, Z. Let me go here to chat GPT or to generative AI and get some ideas, you know, let me get a fresh perspective or maybe it'll think or it'll pull something together. I want to give it, you know, I mean, it's not a think tank. It's not, it's not thinking on its own. Right. Right. But I guess anyway, it's processing. So I say all of that to say using it and understanding it getting kind of elbow deep in it to see what it's capable of and then plugging that in with your own talent, your own strengths, and then leveraging that with creativity and then the needs of your faculty, if that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's been really uh, interesting to get to know your work a little bit better and also to get your perspective and your institution's perspective on generative AI and education. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yes, this has been Simon Says Educate. If you're interested in any of the topics that you've heard today, feel free to contact us at the Teaching and Learning Center, Clover Park Technical College. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delve into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.